you're tuned into an episode of JK, but seriously, Real Football Injury Talk, where we discuss the latest injuries in the NFL, all in the hopes of preserving the game of football and preserving the health of those who play it. Welcome back to week five of the JK, but seriously, Real Football Injury Talk, and man, do we have a lot of injuries to talk about today, and some significant ones, and with some big fantasy football implications, if that's what you're into, but also, I think implications for the sport of football as a whole and what direction that's going in in terms of health and safety. So Josh, can you start us off today by – you're licking your wounds from the, the Pittsburgh game. I know you drove out there. Yeah, we'll get into that later. But we'll talk about it yet. First, first off, we're going to talk about the week five injuries, uh, starting off with J.J. Watt. Obviously, if you are listening to this and you haven't heard about this, you're probably living under a rock. Um, but anyway, defensive end at Houston and he had a tibial plateau fracture and he is now out for the year. Yeah. So it just from seeing on Twitter, I guess it's the top of your tibia is what technically it's like by your knee. Yeah. So it like can the plateau of the tibia. Yeah. So it's like kind of where it connects with like the bulb of your knee, I guess, kind of, but so it's we're extra, not we're not doctors. Yeah, right? it's an extra serious thing. So it's um, just from the quick thing that I saw. It's three months after surgery without bending your knee, without any weight bearing on it. So it's just like a serious, serious long recovery time. So it's just a shame because uh, obviously, so this is the second year in a row that JJ Watt will be uh, out for the year. Here it is back in the last last year early like week three or four very similar thing and missed and the, that was missed the entire season and he had two back surgeries last year right? yeah yeah so it's just it's, it's disappointing for him uh, obviously it's disappointing for the texans um everyone knows all the unbelievable stuff that he's done so far this year with uh with houston and and the hurricane and the relief fund going basically just starting a viral video and trying to raise two hundred thousand dollars and end up raising thirty seven million dollars. Eh, not so, too shabby. So he's become obviously he's one of the pillars down there in Houston, but I mean he's also everybody's fan favorite and I think it's it's you won't find many, very many people that dislike JJ Watt either as a person or as a football player. Um even even non rival teams, I don't think you'll get many Jacksonville or Tennessee fans or Indianapolis fans that really dislike him, you know, he's just, right. he's just such an easy guy uh, to root for. So it just, it stinks, but this is what we, we, we've, we've said every week, we're going to come on here. And the first thing we're going to talk about is what one or two superstar guys suffered and seizing and seizing an ending injury this, this week. Yeah. It's, after this weekend, I was like, Holy crap. I'm like, when we start doing week. this, yeah, I would have never thought that we would have like this much stuff to talk about every week. But, yeah, and and like you realize it playing, playing fantasy football and watching and just being a fan, you realize that guys, guys get hurt and, and a lot. And sometimes they're season end, ending injuries, but when you really take a step back and break it down, it's what well, it's at least, I mean, obviously there's more than just, the superstars that are out for the year. There's probably five to ten guys that have season-ending injuries every every week. But I mean, it's the super. These are the faces of the NFL. I mean, JJ Watt is one of the biggest promo guys the NFL has. So I mean, it stinks for the, it stinks for the league that he he's, he's out for the year. So um, it, it it just it hurts everybody. But even like we've talked about with this one, it wasn't a. It wasn't like a freak. I mean, it was a freak injury, but Nothing it was hit it, him. Yeah, yeah just it wasn't. Like it wasn't a contact. Wrong. Yeah, and it didn't. It didn't look like he, his foot got stuck in the ground. He just kind of planted and tried to cut up field and rush around the end. And you could tell that his knee just kind of gave out from under him. And I just, right. Well, J.J. Watt is notorious for being like an NFL quote-unquote tough guy. Yeah. You know, like all the pictures of his bleeding nose yeah, constantly. Yeah, he's been playing with a broken finger since the first week of the season. He's got that giant arm brace. He yeah. was playing with a club last year for a broken hand. So, And he's very vocal about being tough and playing injured and, you know, sacrificing his body. And because of that, he's always caught my attention, not always for – positive reasons just because I know what can happen to someone yeah. who you know puts or who sacrifices their body for the good of the of the team and I honestly feel like this is starting to happen to JJ Watt like when you ha when you play as hard as he plays and you play through injuries and you do all this stuff this is what happens like it's like a domino effect is one thing leads yeah. to another leads to another and then eventually you're done yeah especially the position that he plays um 
and not that this had anything to do with him being targeted by the other team, but I mean, he's the biggest guy that you have to game plan for when you're playing playing the Texans. So I mean, he's always getting double team, triple team, getting guys chipping on him and cut, cutting his legs. So it just it's not that he's at significantly more risk than any other defensive lineman, but at the same time, I mean, he's taking he's constantly taking shots and taking contact just from like I said, double teams and guys chipping them and I mean they're just trying to get him stop him from getting to the quarterback. But I mean, he's he's the biggest guy you got to stop. When, when when you play those guys, so right, I'm just gonna uh, say or read off a couple quotes from Twitter that I, I found that JJ Watt said. And th- the first one is from uh, is from last year before his second back injury, um, and he said, "I'd rather risk." He said, "I'd rather risk it all by going balls to the wall than play it than play it safe, wondering if I could have had it all." Very poetic yeah. uh, in that tweet, but. At the same time, like it just speaks to the type of player that he is and the type of player that he identifies as. And obviously, maybe he came back too soon last year, and that's why he hurt his back. Yeah. Uh, and I, in this one article too that I read, he was playing with like, you know, five different muscle tears or something, and then that kind of like led to the back injury, like all yeah. sorts of stuff. And it's like, dude, at some point, like, if you're going for longevity. Yeah, this is not sustainable. And it's tough because, at some point, obviously everybody like we've kind of talked about uh, through the first month of the season, uh, everyone they seem to be. There's different variations of how prone you are to injury. Obviously, so like we've said, some guys just seem to get hurt, right? There's there's a big variation in pain tolerance too, you know. And so for JJ Watt, I think he has a very high tolerance for pain and he can play through things that maybe other people can't. Um, and from a team standpoint, half the time, probably 75% JJ Watt out there is more effective than a hundred percent of whoever else they're going to have if he's not playing. Right. So for him, I'm not sure how much of a toughness thing it is, but I mean, I think his pain tolerance is unbelievably off the charts. I'm not questioning that at all. I, no, I, I I know what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, in I'm I'm sure in his mind, his pain tolerance enables him to play through things that maybe other people can't. Um, but to your point, I don't think he sees or maybe puts enough stock in the ramifications of later injuries, as opposed to it's just can I play through this injury today? Right. I think he's definitely not thinking of the future, and unfortunately, I don't think anyone around him is thinking of his future as well. Yeah. Like they're in, they're in the here and now. Yeah. What can you do for me now? Yeah, your your seventy five percent JJ Watt is better than any other guy that we have on the bench. Yeah. So yeah, of course we want you to play to win games because my job's on the line if we don't win. Yeah. So I like I get that, but at the same time, like I feel like JJ Watt identifies as this tough player because the media feeds into it. I'm sure his coaches feed into it. Yeah. And he feeds into it just by what he says. Yeah. I think it's very similar to Gronkowski in the sense that um like we like what we talked about with Gronk, can you can he change the way he plays as a tight end to kind of hopefully limit some of the injuries that he has? Like JJ Watt's not gonna not gonna change, you know? He's not gonna change his persona. He's not gonna change the way he plays. Um unfortunately right or wrong i think you're just kind of stuck with i but i think as an athlete you need to understand that and be like all right look i had two back surgeries i just had this really bad knee injury all this stuff like maybe i need to reconsider like how i approach the game if i want to keep playing yeah well it'll be interesting to see because obviously being such a long um rehab process obviously there's he's not playing this year again um, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how he comes by. Like, I've never even heard of this injury before. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see what, how, um, it's I a mean, story for next year. Right? I, I, I had, to see. I had a knee injury or knee surgery two years ago and I was not weight bearing for like 10 weeks and the amount of atrophy that I had in my leg. And I'm still two years later, I'm still struggling to get back. And although yeah. I have a full-time job and my full-time job is to not get rehab for an entire day, all day, every day. I still feel like three months not on your leg and then to come back and play in the NFL yeah. is like a not yeah. an easy feat by any means, but yeah. I certainly wouldn't put it past them. Uh, one more quote before we move on. 
this is one comes from today. It's a tweet that he put out that says, in regards to this injury and not being able to play, is, I can't sugarcoat it. I'm devastated. All I want to do is be out there on the field for my teammates and this city. I'm sorry. And when I saw that and I saw him, you know, near tears yesterday, obviously he knew something was wrong. It, it To me, I'm almost worried about his life after football. This is why. Because he has all these injuries. I'm sure he's masking the pain in some way with painkillers and all that kind of stuff. To me, his whole identity is wrapped around this tough guy, macho, playing through injuries, you know, the being the man. And then you could see the devastation just from knowing he's going to not play the rest of the season, let alone the rest of his life. And when I think about how he plays and if he continues to play the way that he does and how that's not very sustainable, you know, his career might be, you know, much yeah. shorter than he wants. No, yeah, I, I, agree. I understand what you're saying. I think from – for a bigger picture, like a guy like JJ Watt, he's such a big celebrity at this point that, yeah, even though I'm sure life after football will be extremely hard for him, I mean, there's guys in his same situations with similar amounts of injuries and serious injuries that aren't superstars and public figures, you know? Right. Um, so it's just. Who, I guess once you reach who, a certain who looks after status. those guys, you know? Like, like there's always going to be a. If, if JJ Watt wants a career in broadcasting or he, if he wants to be in the public eye, there will always be opportunities for him to stay in football, right. you know, just with the amount of stuff that he's done. But to me, it's like, what about the guy who's had very similar injuries to him, who isn't, who's a, the 48th guy on the roster that no one's going to remember three years from now. Good who, point. Who's looking after that guy? Yeah. Good point. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I posted an episode on the regular heads and tails podcast uh, with Khalil Glaude. And he was a concussion guy, like raw, like fringe roster guy, constantly getting cut. And he's still struggling two years after his NFL career with post-concussion syndrome and stuff. And you're right, like no one's talking about that guy. Yeah, I mean, this is probably a discussion for a later podcast, but um, this is much lengthier. But with all the new – if you go – just go into the – I'll try to do this quick. If you go into the new CBA stuff, um, the collective bargaining agreement from, from the last time they did it um, – they changed a bunch of stuff with the rookie wage scale because they wanted to make the rookie contracts a lot Cause cheaper. Because they used to have a – yeah. Yeah, because they like, used to have ridiculous contracts and the rookies were all hold out. And, um, and one of the things that went into this – one of the kind of the side effects, which I don't think they planned for at the time, is – and you see it now, the lifespan of the NFL players gotten shortened by like a year and a half, I think I read. So it used to be three and a half and now it's like two and a half? Yeah, because – it's much cheaper to keep an undrafted free agent within his first one, two, three years of playing at this point than right. it is to keep a third or fourth year veteran player. Um, and a lot of teams are going that route. So you see a lot more guys who have played in the league and been somewhat productive over your first couple of years. A lot of guys who never got on the field, never played, like guys who played and guys who have been productive for three, four, five years, and then they can't get signed because they're because what they're worth basically is – two times the amount of what they're going to sign a second-year undrafted free agent for. Right. So, I mean, that's a – That's a whole other podcast yeah. for sure, but it's a good point, Josh. Uh, next serious injury, another guy who is off the field in tears, near tears if not tears, is uh, and another high-profile guy is Odell Beckham uh, Jr., wide receiver for the New York Giants, and he's out for the year with a broken ankle. Yeah, so this is a tough one. Giant fans are um, – Struggle yeah, city. I don't even I don't even know what adjective I would use to describe Giant fans. 0-5, lost again. Um, Beckham, I mean, he had an ankle in the B, in the preseason. We talked about it on the podcast the first week. About Same ankle, do we know? Or? Uh, I don't I don't know. Um, we could look into that. But so he was just running a little slant there at the end of the game, and he got pulled down and just got just got his ankle caught. Like that one. Th th it looked bad. Yeah, this one's on. We have the video of this one on it'll be up on there too and it's just not it's not good <laughs> yeah nothing about that looks good yeah uh you could feel his pain for sure and uh one of our buddies uh evan uh he had the question for us to answer on the podcast which is what if odell had actually caught the ball would he have landed differently and possibly prevented that injury and i looked at this a couple times and i kind of try to foresee what would have happened if he caught it 
it's hard to say that he would have landed differently. Yeah, it's a coin flip. But at the same time, I kind of can see, like, once you make the catch and you bring that ball in, you kind of, like, curl yourself up to secure the ball. So I could see it maybe preventing that injury. I think so. I mean, you can't – it's obviously not 100%, I think. I mean, you can't say if he catches it, he's definitely not getting hurt. But I can also see the side where, like you said, he either catches it in curls because he knows he's getting hit or he catches it and tries to plan up. Um, and I think he one of those ones where as soon as he realized he didn't catch it, maybe he was going to ease up a little bit right. and wasn't worried about getting tackled the way that he did get tackled. I don't know. It's it's, it's really impossible to say. But uh, it just it really it's a tough one for the Giants. Obviously, he's there for as um, difficult as he can be sometimes, I guess, um, for fans and for the media. I know the media loves to crush him for everything that he does right? Um, because he's – passionate and is has has flamboyant has outburst and does some crazy things but um i mean he's by far their best player obviously he had a touchdown to put him up in the game a long touchdown yesterday so i mean it's just it it's it's sad it's sad for giants fans sad for beckham um it's one of those things where I don't think it's as They lost, like, every wide receiver on their team, right? Yeah, we'll jump to that, too. Brandon Marshall got, had an ankle injury. Sterling Shepard had an ankle injury. They both got hurt in the first half. Both didn't come back. Dwayne Harris is a wide receiver, but mainly, like, their special teams return man. He broke his foot. He's out for the year. So, um, Beckham's happened late in the game, so he's playing all game. I don't even – I don't know who their wide receivers will be this week, especially if, if those – if Shepard and Marshall can't play and they got to go to Denver. On Sunday night, that's a uh, and Eli had X-rays on his neck after the game because he got he got hurt on the final drive um, when they were down by five trying to have a game-winning drive there under two minutes. So they're if I was on that team, I would be like, get me the hell out of here. Yeah, there's and they still have a long way to go. Yeah, and now everyone's calling for McAdoo. There's a lot of there's a lot of trouble and trouble with the Giants. Not that I wish any of it on them. I feel. Feel bad, like I said, I feel bad for Odell. He's just like, but like, kind of like we talked about with JJ Watt. He's for as maybe sometimes it is distraction. Still, he's one of the most advertised, popular players in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's on all the commercials, and you see and all those little kids with the same haircut. Yeah, so he's just, so it just it stinks to have those guys, like we said, one a week in the NFL that big time superstars that. Go down. Yeah. So I'm looking to make a haircut move too. I'm, I think that think would, I should go I, with Odell. Yeah, I think that would look good on you. I already got the blonde thing going. Yeah. I don't have any curls. You could make it work. All right. I'll try. Uh, okay. Next injury up is Travis Kelsey, uh, tight end for Kansas City with a concussion. And this one, uh, I have a lot to say about this particular hit. But yeah, so we can talk about this from both angles. So we can talk about it from the injury angle and from. Wow, we always talk about the plays, so we can talk about it. Just uh, what, what what you thought about the play. So he got a concussion. It was two minute drive, two minute drill drive going right before before halftime, and he got he got hit. Um, it looked to me like it was probably the ground that did more. I think. I mean, you don't know for sure, but I think his head hitting the ground it didn't help any. But it looked to be a so he he, he caught a pass going over the middle, and the safety came up, hit him. Helmet to helmet. It was one of those ones where, like, again, he's falling. He was he's, already going down. He's all, he was already going down. He's falling towards the ground. And the safety, like, dives at him low, um, gets his helmet, and then he Kelsey can't protect himself and um, gets the back of his head into the ground, too. Um, on the radio, it said that he came back in for a series. I couldn't find that anywhere. I don't, I don't think he did. I think they could have made that up because he didn't come back out after halftime. Yeah, so he uh, he might have came right. He might have came in. Um, they got the ball back again before had the half ended. He might have came in quick then, but I know he didn't play at all in the second half. So I think the radio just might have made. It. I was listening to the game on the radio on the way back. So okay. they, they they might have been making that up. Yeah, and when I look at that hit, they did flag it. It was a it was a personal foul. They did. Yeah, it should have been. They did they did flag the guy. But the thing is, like Kelsey was going down. Like he was basically already on the ground before the guy even made contact and. The transition, like you could, you could almost see in slow motion, like the safety's thought process. It was like, ah, do I go? Do I go? Do I, uh, I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. And he just like dives in there. Yeah, they always go. And this is and this is what we've talked about. And right, and again, I don't know if this is true or not, but I think these guys make up the decisions so far before. You know, 
Like he's pursuing as soon as the ball gets thrown, the safety's pursuing Kelsey. He knows Kelsey's getting the ball and he's gonna make a play. Um so yeah, can you maybe at the last second jump over him and not touch him and just touch him down? He easily could have stopped in my mind and just t- touch him down exactly. Yeah, and but this is to me, it's this is very similar. We'll talk about it a little bit later um, with another hit from the Green Bay game from last week um, that they, they they got fined. It's a very similar play, right? Um, where receivers catching the ball and in the act of catching it is going towards the ground, um, so they're not on their feet. You know, they're not running after the catch. They're catching it and immediately going to the ground. The ball's low throw, whatever it is, and the act of catching it is taking them to the ground. And they're being hit from the defender um, in that process. And it's – a lot of times when we watch the replays, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's – you can – it's easy to say, like, I think he had time to not hit him, you know. But I think it's a bigger, I think it's a bigger picture thing. You know, it's like like we've constantly talked about. It's the way that they're coached and the way that they're taught. Um, I think it's more that. I think it's more a fear of being like ripped on film the next day for like not going yeah, hard. I think it's a combination of all those things, and it's it's just a really hard mindset to change. Because to me, it's harder just. To say, okay, maybe you could have pulled up at the last minute or you could have not hit him at all. I think the bigger picture problem is like that's how they're taught to defend that play. Maybe not necessarily with a helmet to helmet, but that's, I mean, they're taught to make contact and try to separate the catch. And a lot of times it ends up as similar plays to this where it ends up being helmet to helmet. Because this play, similar to the Clinton Dix play that we'll talk about, the only place to hit that guy is upper chest head in 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 that type of play. I mean you can go on and watch it. I mean, he's going to the ground. There's no there's no other place to hit him. So if you commit to making a contact play on him, it's going to it's going to look like it did. Right. But and, and to me the only one of the only ways it gets taught or coached out of the game is a stiffer penalty, you know. Maybe we kind of talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yeah, 15-yard penalty is great, but that doesn't that doesn't inhibit right. Von Miller that got doesn't, the fifteen yard doesn't change anything. For, yeah, yeah. It's a, it doesn't. It doesn't change the way the safeties are playing. So what was the haha Clinton Dix? Um, I have it in here uh, later, but he he hit a Bears wide receiver. Um, okay. In well, the in the same game Thursday night game we'll we'll, we'll, talk we'll, about we'll get that. All right, then we have uh, Ben Roethlisberger's uh, injuries to the ego. Yeah, so <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger has a, a deflated ego, bruised confidence. Um, he's he's probably going to be pretty questionable for this week's game, I would think. <laughs> Some pretty serious injuries. Um, he's an old aging quarterback. I don't know if you can play with those things. <laughs> I really don't. Um, all kidding aside, he was terrible. He's, he threw five interceptions against the Jaguars. Uh, he didn't. He might actually be injured, and they, they're not telling anybody. He didn't have any zip on his passes. He just didn't. You know, he didn't look very good. So it's just he could be hurt. He, he he could be hurt. He looks a step slow, a step old, and he's just looks like he lost a couple miles an hour on his fastball. So they might have to change the way they play offense a little bit. But who's their backup? Landry Jones. That's okay. not happening. But <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Now we got updates from uh, last week, week four. Uh, we got David. Emerson? Yeah, so this is the guy we talked about last week on the Raiders, a corner for the Raiders who got concussed. Right, um, he had two concussions already two, this yeah, season. Yeah, preseason concussion, concussion last year, concussion against, I guess that was the Bronco game? Yeah, they played the Broncos last week. So he was, yeah. so he was he was limited in practice all week, which means you didn't participate fully. So basically, you either don't practice at all, you're limited, which means you can do as little or as much without completing the practice. Limited is really... That's another problem with the NFL injury. They just list everybody's limited because they take part in oh, something. Something, but they they got treatment in the training room. Yeah, but it's not. So they were out there for practice, but it limited can be a wide range of things. Or you practice fully and you take part and you finish practice. But so he was limited all week. He was questionable going into the game, so he wasn't ruled out um, after Friday, after the last practice of the week on Friday. But he he didn't play, so he was in, inactive. He didn't dress. So it was just something that we wanted to follow up on after. Uh, just a number of concussions. So again, it'll interesting to see what happens this week. Yeah, yeah, it's lots of concussions in a short period of time. 
All right, now we're going back to the highlight from last week, the, the hit on Devontae Adams, the wide receiver from Green Bay, uh, who had a concussion. And then he played. He played this week because they, they played on a Thursday night, so he had a little more time yeah, to recover. Yeah, so a couple extra days. He was the same thing. He was limited all week in practice, so he was, a game, he was questionable too, more of a game-time decision, and he ended up playing. So he played, and he scored the game-winning touchdown. He got two touchdowns, and he scored the game-winning Have touchdown. Have yourself a day, dude. It's under, un, under 10 seconds left. So, And all of his quotes said that he felt fine. So you would think that he passed yeah. all the protocols and did the right thing. Yeah. But they all, but like they always feel fine, right? I, I mean, I, I think back to my own football career. And I remember I had a concussion my junior season, and I sat out of practice all week. But this is also when like people didn't really take concussions seriously. Yeah. And I played the following week, uh, and I had the best game of my life. So, like, looking back, you know, or going into my senior year. You felt fine. Yeah, I felt fine. Yeah. So, I was like, well, I had I saw stars before the game. But other than that, I was fine. Yeah. I was like, but yeah. it kind of reinforced. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I could play with concussions. I'm fine. Well, that's, I mean, that's just the hardest thing is, I mean, you could have a really serious concussion and a couple of days later you could feel fine, you know. And it's just, and that's why it's so much different than a hammy or a broken bone, you know. It's, I mean, if it hurts, like, you, when you strain your hammy you can either run or you can't it hurts right. or it doesn't um that's the thing with concussions like you could still be injured but you can feel fine and you're just putting yourself at risk for a lot worse injury but yeah there's also a bunch of quotes kind of surrounding this comeback i guess you could say for Devonte adams i mean good for him for having an amazing game and a good comeback and obviously he didn't like look like he was playing scared out there no. so that's that's good um but his teammate randall cobb who's another wide receiver for the Packers, uh, kind of commented on his performance in the game and said, to take a hit like that 10 days ago, to be in an ambulance and then be back out there, be back out here today, that speaks volumes about mental toughness. Uh, not a lot of people would have been out there. Even a lot of football players wouldn't have been out there. It takes an incredible amount of mental toughness, but that's Devontae. Um yeah. So. So to me, that's kind of like reinforcing this like tough guy yeah. men is, is mentality. Exactly what you've talked about with toughness. Toughness is playing through injuries. Toughness is playing through physical pain, especially in the football world. So. I, I mean, looking back, like toughness isn't playing injured by yeah, any means. It's just toughness is you know when they threw that fade pass to him the first time and it didn't work, and yeah. to him to go back in the huddle and be like, no, let's do it again. Like yeah. that's toughness. Yeah, that's more mental toughness than, yeah. than anything else. But it just it just goes back to this. It's just the whole concussion. It's just so unquantifiable. You know, you just can't you can't put your finger on how bad or how serious it is. You right. Know? Yeah, he got he got hit. He got a concussion. Now, what carryover is there? Is he completely fine to play this week? And he says he is, and he did what he needed to do and got cleared and played. But is that like you said? Is that what toughness is? But that's what. It's portrayed. It means obviously this is what the NFL players think is toughness. Yeah. Which is why kids think that that's what toughness is. Yeah. Which is what we're trying to change. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Then we got uh, oh the person who gave me that quote or that idea for that quote was my guest from this week's Heads and Tails episode. She posted that on her uh, her Facebook. Gotcha. Brittany Souter. Uh, Check it out. Episode ninety seven. Okay. Then we got uh, Vontez, uh, perfect linebacker, uh, Cincinnati, not fine for roughing the passer versus Cleveland. Yeah, so this is what we we put the video up last week. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. I Freaking slappy. Yeah, I wanted to go back and see if he was fine. Wasn't fine for it. So I guess it wasn't as much as we didn't like it. It wasn't as bad as the NFL didn't view it as bad. Um, well, compared to his other stuff, I yeah. guess it's not that bad. <laughs> but no fines this week. But stay stay tuned. He'll be fined within the next couple of weeks. All right. Sure. Uh, now we're back to the haha Clinton Dix um, safety for Green Bay. Yeah, I thought he's still on Green Bay. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Some some Packers fan I am. <laughs> so this was in the same game last Thursday night as the Trevathan hit, and he got fined. I'm pretty sure he, he got penalized for it too. This was early in the game. It was in the first quarter. Um, he got fined twenty four thousand. Your helmet to helmet defenseless receiver fine that everyone's been handing out. Um, so there's a video of this one too, but it's very similar to the Kel- the Kelsey play. Um, receiver kind of goes 
slot receiver goes over the middle, kind of catches it with his chest to the quarterback, back to the his own or to the end zone that he's going to, and he kind of has to jump up and catch it, and he's falling down. He's going to the ground again. He's going to the ground. His legs aren't underneath him, and Clinton Dix comes and puts a hit on him and like same similar to Kelsey the only place you can hit a guy that's falling down like that his is going to be upper body yeah is going to be his upper body and same thing he like kind of folded over and then his head whipped back um and again it's a it's a nasty looking one but of course the Trevathan one gets yeah. a, get get gets a ton of play cuz um Bellamy ended he slipped up, under the radar yeah Bellamy ended getting up and was okay so it's another one where it looked the look the the aftermath does the injury of it make it like, you look at these two hits, you put them side by side by side, and just cut it off as soon as the hit happens. Um, and I and I ask you, which one was more seriously injured? You flip a coin, you know. Right. So, but and that's what the next point is: the Trevathan suspension, which we talked about, which was two games last week in the podcast. He appealed it, and it was reduced to one game, which is BS. So he's only missing tonight's game. Because they play on Monday night tonight, so he's suspended for, and it cuts his cuts his fine in half too. The so NFL goes back on their 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 fines every single time. Well, I mean, it's it's collectively bargained. It's in the appeals process. So, and the guys who the guys who make the player safety appeals, the rulings on it, are, the NFLPA are formal players. Yeah. So the guy who did this one was Derek Brooks, Hall of Fame linebacker for the for for the Bucks. So you, you're grew up watching football. He was on the Bucks when they were in the Super Bowl. Warren Sapp and, and he's that, like, yeah, it wasn't that, that, that bad. That whole team. And I, I don't know what quantifies, so, and I don't know what they look at to determine whether to withhold it or, I mean, most of the time when these guys appeal these helmet helmet hits, they don't always win, but they get it reduced in some yeah, well, always in, in some form. I don't know. So you're saying I, I didn't know that. So. Like a, a former player is the one that arbitrates it. Yeah. So he the, he's involved with the player safety. Like he's involved in the NFL. He works for the NFL. He's not just they don't call him up and go, "Hey, Derek, what are you doing Hall today?" Hall of Fame linebacker, come in, look at this hit. Tell us what you think. <laughs> so I mean, he's like on some board, but he's part of the players' association, probably committee or I don't know what what, what they call it. But these, it's not like a lawyer. Or it's not a arbitrator. It's not a legal thing. Yeah. So it's it's player. It's former players who are working for the NFLPA that determine. The- I mean, this could be a whole another podcast episode in itself, also. But when we talk about unions. You know, unions collectively bargain for wages, but also health and safety issues. And I feel like in the NFL, they kind of work against each other in that sense. Yeah, we could easily do a whole podcast on last year, not last year's, but I guess it was 2012, the last CBA and how it's going to affect the upcoming CBA. When is it, When is this next one going to be? When? Ex- it expired? 2021. Okay, so there's still a few years. Yeah, it's going to be a while. 20, it's either 2020 or 2021. I think it's, it, be I think it's 21. But. but there's tons and tons of stuff on the problems with the last CBA. And how the owners not really bullied, but I mean, this is what the owners do. They kind of, and this is what the, the NFLPA does too. I mean, every in, in every labor labor negotiation, you, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, you you, yeah. you you pick out those things that Your you priorities. And there's sometimes that you talk about what's our priority when it's really not. But we're gonna make it seem like we really want this. So then when we give it up, we didn't really care about it at all in the, in, in the first place. So there's a lot of CBA stuff if you if we ever want to sit down and go through it and talk about I mean a lot of it is health and safety related but it could be a we could do a postseason yeah that might be a good thing to do uh, leading into the postseason yeah postseason or, or off season first yeah. one to uh season wrap up <laughs> I like it so then we got John Gruden okay the John Gruden quote so he he talked about the Trevathan hit and then I'm just going to read uh, his quotes and then we'll we'll talk about it so Gruden says I don't want to see anyone get hurt. It was a vicious hit, but not to be politically correct, you're supposed to run to the ball. We used to tell our receivers, if you want to run an inside breaking route, if you want to fight for yardage after the catch, you better be careful because these defensive players, they're on the hunt. I think that some of these receivers that are running these quick screens and these inside breaking uh, pass options, they need to get down personally. They need to get down, personally. I'm not blaming Devontae Adams, but I think there's two ways to look at it. I've always coached energy, hustling, rushing, rushing to the pile, 
and if it was and if it is uh, wiggling, you do hit it. Because guys are fighting for yardage and sometimes you've got to give up the ball because of one inch. Inches matter. That's why they measure the first downs. That's why they have a crew down there with the ch- with those chains. With those chains. Reading out loud has never been one of my strong points. So I'm a little sensitive. I thought Trevathan made a great play. Obviously, what he's hitting, the surface, below the neck, all those things, I'm totally agreeing on. But I thought Trevathan made a heck of a play, and unfortunately, a man got hurt. So despite my inability to read out loud, which has always been a struggle, he said a few things that obviously go against what most people thought after seeing that hit. Um, what are your thoughts, Josh? This is, uh, I mean, this is similar to what we talked about with it last week, and I'm going to tie it into what I have at the end, which I've noticed a lot more, maybe just I'm more aware of it because we're doing this now. But I think, yes, this is the way they've been coached, okay? So, and this is this is the problem, and this is what this, the way Gruden feels is the way I think most coach how most coaches coach and how most players feel um and like we talked like when we get the instagram comments like this and guys who played football like this is what they've always been taught this is what they do you know and it's like yeah guys are gonna get hurt you gotta run the ball you gotta make these so i mean i i I understand what he's saying he's saying that the idea trevathan had in his head was the right idea in the sense of he was making the right football play. He was running to the ball. He was being aggressive. He was ensuring the tackle, you know, ensuring there was no extra inches. But at the end of the day, like, that's the kind of stuff that if you want if you want these hits to be taken out, you know, that's the kind of stuff that needs to stop being coached. And Like, is that football? I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't personally think so. The thing that I had against what his quote, what he said in his quote, is when he's talking about the wide receivers needing to get down. I thought I think in the Devonte Adams hit particular, particularly, he couldn't, he couldn't get down no, he if could, he tried. He could have got down as soon as he caught it, you know. But he had guys holding him up. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah. No, I mean, if 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 he were if he were going to get down, he would have gotten down as soon as he caught it, and would have been two yards. You right. know what I mean? And he would have got ripped. Yeah. Exactly. So it's. Like I understand, but this is again, this is the football mentality, and I just, I don't see this mentality changing. You know, like, is there ever going to come a time when coaches don't think like this? Because like, what he's saying isn't wrong per se. You know, I mean, he basically said his placement was wrong, like yeah. his head placement was wrong. Yeah, yeah. you break it down fundamentally. Once he got to the point of no return and making the hit, but everything up to that was perfect. Right. You know? And I just – I don't think you can separate the two, you know? Like, with the amount of plays in the NFL and the amount of plays similar to this now with how offenses play, like, and you have guys running the ball and you have piles, these plays are going to happen 5, 10, 15 times a year. So if you're going to preach, run to the ball, be aggressive, fight for every inch, this is going to happen. You know, whether, whether you mean for it to happen, whether you want it to happen, you know, and it's, so just going back to the last point I have on, on, on here, um, like I, I noticed it, it's, maybe it's easier to notice at the game. And I was, I was at the game yesterday and this is both teams. It was the Steelers and the Jaguars. If you watch a game, they're, I'd say 35, 40% of plays, especially running plays end with some sort of unnecessary contact at the end of the play. Yeah. Whether it's and, – and it's not a late hit, and it's not violent per se, and it doesn't cause injury, but they're very unnecessary plays in the scope of the – Yeah, guys flying to the, the ball. Fo- the football play. Quote, unquote, it's guys, yeah. guys flying the ball and guys making contact with piles, you know. They've, they've made such a big deal, and they've started flagging – Stack guys. guys. Well, they've started flagging guys for pulling guys off piles on like scrums during fumbles, right? So there's a big scrum for a fumble. And if you come in and I take 
you off the top of the pile, not even violently, you'll get a flag. But they're not flagging guys on running plays for just going in and finishing the play, you know. But you watch a game, watch a Thursday night game this this, this next week. Watch the running plays and watch how many times safeties, corners, linebackers come into a pile just to finish, not even finish off their running back, just to stop a pile from moving. You know what I mean? And, like, those are the unnecessary plays is it going to save six inches or right, maybe you know but in the in the grand scheme of things if you make a point to take those plays and maybe it comes back to an earlier whistle you know yeah that's what i was going to say quicker whistles yeah and it, it, it maybe it puts the referees in a compromising spot and then i'm sure you'll have times where they blow the whistle before guys are down and fans will freak out but that's the way – if you have an earlier whistle and you start flagging these guys for – and like I said, a lot of times it's not malicious. It's not violent. But to me, having this conversation we have every week, it's obvious. It's obvious to see. I mean, you watch a game tonight and just watch watch, watch the running backs and watch the piles and watch how many guys – Just fly in there just at the end. Come, yeah. and, and a lot, like I said, it's a lot of times it's not violent. Some of the times it's it's not even very hard, but they – but they're taught. But this is how they're taught. They're caught to fly to the football, make contact, and it's what they do. But I think if there's some way to legislate those plays, like I said, whether it's a quicker whistle or whether it's, I, I had an idea. You tell me if it's stupid or not. I, I'm thinking about plays like the Kelsey hit that we talked about earlier. What if you made a rule that made it like one hand touch off the ground? So, like, say a guy catches it and then comes to the ground just because he 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 lost his balance just trying to make the catch, but didn't get touched. Yeah. If you make a rule that it's yeah. one hand touch. Yeah, but why even why even do that? You know what I mean? Like, why not adopt the college rule that knee down, you're down? You know what I mean? That's true too. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go so far as to make it, yeah, one well, hand yeah, touch, touch, just yeah. eliminate it all together and just have the college I, rule. I completely forgot that college well, doesn't do that. When yeah. your knees down, you're down. All right, and a lot of times there's going to be times where these receivers catch quick screens, but I mean, people, the college fans don't complain about it. It's been a rule forever, you know. You make that in, the, in a rule in the NFL, and people will freak out. I know, but how many times does that actually like come into being a thing in an NFL game? Not that often. What do you mean? Like, like when a guy falls but isn't touched and he can get yeah. back up? Like how often? Yeah. That never happens. Yeah, but I think I think that would, um, I think that would greatly help these safety helmet-to-helmet hits, like safety position, like safety, health and safety, like the position, the defensive safety it would almost give coming them, in and feeling like they need to make a play on these wide receivers that are going to the ground. Yeah, it would almost give them an excuse to not hit. They're already down. You know yeah. what? They're, they're, they're already down. Save yourself, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then also, it's I think you can penalize it a lot more harshly too because they're already going to the ground. You know they're going to the ground. They can't get back up. And now when you hit them when they're on the ground – now it's uh whatever you want to call it whatever i mean josh i think we're freaking we're making moves here this is like i feel like that's like a well, we're having an, it's we're an having, idea that could be a real thing we're having an educated conversation right and we're making good points i think but like like i said i it's just i don't i don't really see it i don't envisioning it changing on its own especially the like I've said, the football mentality, fly to the ball, extra effort, play past the whistle, all this kind of stuff. I don't. It's not gonna. It doesn't change on its own. But I, 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 I like I said, I've been a lot more aware of it this year, and I'm sure it's not any worse than it's ever been. You know, it's not any yeah. more aggressive than it's ever been. To me, the the flying to the ball, the extra effort stuff, it, it it's just reinforcing the team over yourself mentality. Like when I think about it, like. If you if you put yourself back in the film room when like you when you used to get your freaking ass chewed out for messing up or not hustling here and there, that that's like on a play where you have no chance of even touching the player. Like, why would you bust your ass to like run across the field, and maybe take someone out who's like not looking? Yeah, you know, just to look look like you are going yeah. hard. I don't know. Because that to me, that's why I feel like that's what football is. That's what these guys and these what players feel like football is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I just unless unless and this is going to sound silly unless the NFL gets proactive and 
jumps ahead of these issues and makes significant changes that might jeopardize their uh, public perception with the fans who love football at first, like it's not going to change, yeah. you know? Cause I like, honestly, I feel like the NFL would never come out and change rules such as that, like knee down, you're down or making whistles earlier. Why would they not do that? Because they feel, cause I think they have the perception. They feel like it would hurt the perception of football and they would lose fans. Fans wouldn't like it. Fans like the violence fans, like, you know, well, I was at Ohio State, and there was 110,000 fans in that stadium, and they they. Uh... Yeah, no, I I I know what you mean, but I just that's why I I just personally that's why I think they're so reactionary, and they will never do anything that they that's like above the line, health and safety wise. That's kind of radical, you know. They're not going to do anything radic radical to change the game because they're afraid of money. You're afraid of losing money and losing fans because of it. When I think some of these things might in the well, definitely in the long run help the safety of the players and, and help the game I think but it's like it's that initial hurdle that you have to get over like how much pushback was there on the kickoffs you know when they changed kickoffs three years ago now they moved it up five yards and kickoff returns are decreased by like 50 75 percent and people still watch right yeah but as soon as they did it everybody freaked out oh kickoffs how do you take kickoff returns out of the game yeah you know but Dudes got killed on those plays. Got crushed. Yeah. That's where, like, most of the series injuries of people that I've interviewed, like Eric LeGrand yeah. and, you know, these other kickoffs. guys on kickoffs, yeah. They're running as fast as they can at each other. Yeah. At least they got rid of the freaking wedge. That was the worst. Yeah. So, uh, just, that's the biggest, if anyone's listening, look, next time you watch a game, NFL game, next NFL game you watch, especially the running plays, watch for guys coming in. I don't want to make it sound late because obviously when there's blatant late hits, they call. It's not like officials aren't calling anything. But just notice when guys are clearly going down how many times a defender will come onto the pile. Just keep an eye out for it. All right, we're going to finish this discussion off with a non-injury-related topic, um, but a cultural topic, Yeah, uh, which is the – Cam Newton discussion with uh, women in football and that that perspective with with can you explain that situation for those who might not be aware? Yeah, so Cam got in a bunch of hot water this week for at his weekly hot pre- water, not warm water. <laughs> no, hot boiling water. So in his weekly press conference this week, a female reporter asked him a question about one of his wide receivers, like a legitimate good football question. It was about he was talking about Devin Funches, and we've talked about all the injuries the Panthers have had, and Funches has been playing really well. And she asked him a question about something about Funches' routes and finishing plays and stuff that we talked about. And he, he's the whole time, he's smiling at the – so he's, like, smiling as she's asking the question. And as soon as he, she finishes the question, he goes, a route. It's funny to hear a woman talk about route. Like, I – in the back of his head, like, he thinks he's making a joke. Like, he thinks it's funny because he's saying, like, oh, women don't know anything about football. There's this girl asking me about routes. And then he answered the question, obviously. Um, and then the girl went on Twitter and made it about her kind of thing. Well, she – people – it would have been a big deal, but it was – Her it, response. It escalated really quickly from that. And he got into the whole – and this is the the – Obviously, what he did was wrong. Like no one said, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he he had any substance to his 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 answer. He was it was it was terrible, and you can't can't assume that stuff. And there's all tons of women who know more about football than tons of men. There's a there's a woman first woman coach on the 49ers this year. So I think I saw a woman a woman referee. Yeah, yes, last night. Yep, there's a woman ref. So, but <laughs> the thing the thing that gets me about this is. Like you go on Twitter and then everyone feels the need to just crush Cam Newton because that's the polit- it's politically correct to go out and crush Cam Newton. Right. But everybody goes out and does it and like comes gets on their high horse and tells tells the world how bad of a person Cam Newton is because he put down women in football. And I'm like I get, like I get it. Everybody knows like what he said wasn't right. Right. But everyone yeah. feels the need to go out and attack well, him. Well, it goes it. into like the locker room talk kind of thing cuz like 
you've been in a locker room before. I've been in a locker room before. Females have been in a locker room before. We're not sure what females talk about, but we we know what guys talk about. Yeah. And if you kind of – he was just in a locker room, and he walked into that press conference. Like, yeah. He, he probably just didn't turn off his, yeah, uh, no, his filter. I, I honestly think he didn't do it on purpose. I honestly think he thought it was going to be funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's being – because he's normally like a jovial – as long as he doesn't lose and he becomes a crybaby, but as like you, most of the time he's usually like a. From what I've seen of Cam Newton, he's a fun, just having fun. Yeah, yeah. he's a fun-loving, like happy person. So I honestly think he thought it was just going to be like funny and people were going to laugh. Be like, oh, Cam Newton's making a joke again, well, and then and then he like, well, wasn't. Well, my girlfriend Lauren, <laughs> she she said something about it, and she said that it seems like he almost was trying to hit on her. Like, the way he was talking was like he was, like, trying to hit on her. What do you – I would be surprised. He's got a, he's got a wife and kids. I, I know, but just, like – I think it goes back to that locker room talk again. Yeah. It's like – I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I could see it. I wouldn't put that on top of the reasons why I think he did it. But – and then also I feel bad for the girl because – so the girl comes out on Twitter – and so the the woman reporter comes out and, and now uh, she's like shunned from the stadium or what? No. So then of course these people on Twitter go back through years and years and years of her tweets oh and like God. six years ago she had a tweet <laughs> with the N word in it and then she had something else with her she was laughing because her dad was saying racist things and she thought it was funny. So now it's like who's who's worse? Is Cam worse for saying stuff about women or is this girl worse for six years ago saying putting up stuff on Twitter? So it's like. It's just become such a gotcha, you know. Every like everyone wants to get you. you yeah. Know? Everyone wants to be the first one to come out and Aha. say, "You can't do that." Look how look at how bad of a person. Look at you how are. you're such a hypocrite. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Everyone's digging into the archives. I'm sure. Yeah. So. But <laughs> from a pub- public perception side, it's it's uh it was an interesting story to follow. But um, like I said, I don't think Cam had any malicious intent doing it. But at the same time, it was a big mistake. It was. It was. It was a mistake. <laughs> All right, Josh. I think that was a successful uh, week five of the JK, but seriously, real football injury talk podcast. Uh, I hope we spark some conversations to hopefully make the sport of football safer and preserve the health of the athletes who play it. Check it out. Watch for the plays this week. Watch for guys coming on the pile. The kamikaze dive bombers. That's it. That's what they are. That's it. Have a great week, guys. I hope you have a terrible week. Shitty, shitty week. I'm kidding.